Welcome to All Angles. My name is Andrew Thomas. I am sitting here today with Jedediah Collins. He is a former NFL player, certified financial planner, best-selling author, and founder of Money Vehicle. Thank you for coming in and talking to me today. Oh, brother. Pleasure to be here. Excited to have the conversation. And even before you hit play, we, we're going to go in some interesting directions. Yes, so. I, that's what I was exactly yeah. thinking. So, so let's, let's get off and running. Let's all get right. So I always like to start you know, my interviews with some, some get-to-know-you questions and everything else. So my first question for you is, what would your younger self not believe about your life today? A variety of things. Uh, number one, I live outside of Seattle and Bellevue. I grew up in Orange County, California, and it's a bubble down there. Yeah. It's like everybody who's been there asks, why would you ever leave? And every time I go home and visit my family, I get yep. that exact same question. I would think, you know, my younger self, so I've journaled for 20 years now, but something I never thought I would do is write a book. Mm. And so younger Jedediah, little Jedi, um, would definitely be, I think, proud, but more surprised yeah. that I put a train of thought together long enough to uh, <laughs> to, to hit yeah. publish uh -huh. and send out. Um, being a journaler, you're very good at capturing your train of thought, but to actually collaborate and push it all into one central theme and have a purpose mm -hmm. and a beginning and an end, um, that's something that I'm proud of today. And I know that's yeah, awesome. young, younger me would be kind of impressed with it and it became an Amazon bestseller which is yeah. even cooler uh, but yeah that's a that's a fun game to play mm -hmm. because part of journaling I always say is time travel yes. I get to talk to myself when I'm yep. 18 24 30 35 um, and so yeah that was never an aspiration of mine so to Near see man. that like pop on to my journal radar mm -hmm. like two or three years ago was like oh weird yeah, how that can work out. Now, with writing you know, a book and everything else, what was maybe your favorite part and then your most difficult part of writing a book? My favorite part was writing it. So I was working at a wealth management firm in downtown Seattle, mm -hmm. which uh, I quickly realized I didn't want to drive because yeah. that's awful. And so I started taking the bus and I would look around and at first I realized like you look at a, a group of people on a bus we're taking a, uh, and this is the probably the best bus route in America because mm -hmm. we go across Lake Washington. Yep. And so I'm going early in the morning, late in the evening, sunrise, sunset kind mm -hmm. of atmosphere. And you look out the window and you see the sun setting over a mountain, yep. a volcano, and a lake. And I look around the bus and I'm like, nobody else is even looking up from their phone. No. Like, this is, everybody is zoned down and in. Um, but so I took that time. I said, don't, don't, I'm not going to get on my phone. Yep. What can I do not on my phone? And I was out delivering workshops. Mm -hmm. And so I started to play with those thoughts of like, ooh, I want to tell somebody this, but how can I get creative? How can we build yeah. a story? Mm -hmm. So I would say about 85, 90% of the book was written on that bus going in and out. That's awesome. So I loved that part of it. Mm -hmm. I hated the editing part. Oh, of you course. Know? Yeah. yeah. You write with a closed door, you edit with an open door. Yep. Um, and going back on my work and having somebody else say, <laughs> That actually doesn't make sense. Yeah. We're going to need to change that. Um, and formatting and a lot of questions, the font of the book. Yeah. People get real hyped up about fonts. And it matter. It has to matter so much. It, and you're like, the words, that's what's important. That's there. what's in. Right, and the even font. the like the cover. Yep. Well, it's a book that's going to help young people with money. Mm-hmm. 
shouldn't they? Nobody's going to open that book. No, nobody cares. You got to have something sexy and cool. Yeah. And ideally, nowadays, if you get the F word on your cover, yeah, you're going to increase sales. And so, <laughs> is that really a thing they told you? Oh yeah. If really? you well, it's the shock factor. So mm. if you okay. and your title can garner some kind of like, <gasps> yeah. People are more likely to lean in and ask why. Yeah, um, they're at least going to grab it off the bookshelf. They're going to grab it yeah. off a bookshelf and the coloring and all that. So mm -hmm. I loved the writing. I didn't love the the editing process because it is tedious and it's tenuous and yep. it is is a true struggle to you know it's an, an artist and it's when are you done painting the painting? Yes. Um, and really, like I, what's so hard now is I look at the book and I, it's been out over you know a year and a half or so mm -hmm. now, and there's so much I wish I could change about it. Yep. Um, and that's what's nice about having this virtual course. Mm -hmm. I get to change it. We play with it every week, make yep. a little addition. But the book is printed. You're done. It's done. At that point, it's yeah. done. You're gonna have to write a second one just to make edits. To oh, that one. already, yeah. already. So I have two second books. Oh, there you go. Kind of, yeah, in yeah. process. So there you we'll go. see when those come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And what is, you know, obviously for the reader or for the listeners and everything, what are what is the book's title? Uh, the book is Your Money Vehicle. Okay. And so very intentional around that titling, yours, because yep. we wanted to understand for the reader, this is not about me or my no. journey. This is about you. Mm -hmm. uh, and money vehicle. Again, having to like sit on, okay, it's got to be short and catchy, and, yep. and it has to have a purpose and a meaning. But you got to know it has something to do with money. Um, so our mission is to get people to see money in a different lens. Mm -hmm. And so long we've seen money as a noun. Money yes. is the focal point, the objective. I want a million dollars. Yep. And one of the course and what are our objectives in the the book is you got to see money as a verb. Mm -hmm. Money is this tool, this vehicle that is going to take you to a destination. Yes. Money is not the destination. And so with the simple title of Money Vehicle, we're mm -hmm. trying to begin the concept that we're starting a conversation and we're going to change throughout the, the book in the course. We change mm -hmm. a lot of the kind of old isms of personal finance or financial literacy into a new fresh take. Yes. And it starts with that, seeing it as a verb, seeing it as a vehicle. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get more into yeah. your logic and everything else, but no, really appreciate you sharing that. So the next one, so you're in a really interesting part of your life, right? You've had very various chapters, whether, you know, when we talk about your NFL career, financial planning, where you're at now as a founder of a business, but what would you call currently, what is the title of this chapter in your life? So I have, you know, for so long, the curse of the athlete is being identified as a jock. Mm -hmm. And I have transitioned my life from that. And I would say I've just actually surpassed and exited the transition phase. So mm -hmm. I, I, as again, as a journaler, I, yeah. I do title my years and kind of what phase. That's awesome, yeah. So this chapter, not very creative. I would call this the entrepreneurial chapter. Okay. I'm, a, I'm two years into starting my own business. Mm -hmm. Most of that has been through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so every two weeks I've had to pivot and change and yep. kind of figure something else new out. So looking at my entrepreneurial life, how do you begin a business? How do you run a company on your own? Yep. And I also get to transition that into my personal life as a, as a father. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I'm running a company. It's also the first time I'm running a family. Yes. Um, let, me, let me rephrase that. It's also the first time I am partly running a family. 
Uh, <laughs> it's I obviously have, two halves to a whole. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I'm the I'm the COO. She or she's the CEO. She yeah. makes the big decisions. Make but, sure when she listens to this episode, yes. we got it. We, we got to give her credit and everything. Gave her credit there. Yeah. Um, but yes, this entrepreneurial chapter of my life. It is one of these things. I get to talk to a lot of young people today, and everybody says, "Ooh, entrepreneur! You're chasing your own passion. You're selling mm-hmm. your own thing. How cool is it? It's awful." Don't do it. And okay. if I deter you from not wanting to be an entrepreneur by saying that, then you never should have been one. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if you hear someone say, don't do it, and you still want it, that's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Because as as I have learned, you know, in football you get tested and you, you learn a lot about yourself. In this business thing, it is 100%, and mm-hmm. you know, I did it as a sole entrepreneur at first, now we have a team and people, yep. but it's a it's all on you and mm-hmm. if you're not obsessed and passionate and encompassing it's not gonna work and i it's it's kind of therapeutic i've started to watch more of shark tank mm-hmm. and you just see those stories and yeah. see those people and they're crazy and you realize like if you are ever going to take a concept an idea mm-hmm. and make it a reality and compete because if any business you start starts to make money there's going to be somebody who wants to come in and take it. Yep. Or there's going to be a giant conglomerate that says, I bet we can do this better. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be fearless. You have to be crazy. And you have to be able to have an iron stomach. I have a post-it note over my computer that says, get 100 no's. Yeah. Every week, get 100 no's. And every one of them hurts. It's, mm-hmm. it's death by paper cuts. Um, and so that's why I warn yeah. young people... Because you do have this altruistic, beautiful fantasy about being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I was—I technically didn't even become an entrepreneur until about four months ago. Okay. I started a business two years ago, but just starting a business doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur yet. Mm-hmm. You have to dive into the business, into the workings, into all the things that you didn't know were a part of this. I got to meet a, a man named Palmer Lucky great name yeah tell me about and him. he's also very lucky he founded <laughs> oculus okay so he was a billionaire dropped yep. out of college at 20 yep i met him uh when he was about 24 25 already on his second billion dollar company mm-hmm. but one thing he told me he said if if you are going to be an entrepreneur the one thing you have to accept is what do you love about what you're doing i said Ooh, i love creating yeah. stories i love teaching people about money and playing he said you're gonna have to give that up and it, it took me yeah. back. I was like, dang. Just goes, to kind of think about. He was, I was a coder. I loved coding. Mm-hmm. I haven't coded in years. No, because he has to run a business. He's running a billion dollar. He was yeah. a unicorn two, <laughs> yeah. two times over. But it was, I walked away from that and I, it really struck me. It yeah. really hit home. And I, it was, that's genius. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. More and more, I do what I love about the business less and less. Mm-hmm. Because you have to, you have to run that business if you want it to reach, you know, Oculus levels, yeah. or you yeah. know, maybe well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's take it down a little bit, but like at least you know to that successful level that you're wanting, like yeah. you can't, you can't always be the one on the ground talking about financial planning or you know doing those things that you talk about you love, or even you know, hey, great, you have a great product, who knows about it? Yeah, who's selling it? Mm-hmm. Who's marketing it? Okay, great. What, what about your books? Yeah. How much money did you make last year? How much did you spend? Yeah, what's going on there? We, 
Now you need to hire people. Yeah. Who's managing all those people? That stuff's not fun. That's, I'm getting I'm getting overwhelmed just hearing all these questions already. I'm not even good. Mission accomplished. Yes, exactly. If we why <laughs> save one soul from no. And again, it's if you're not obsessed yep. and you don't care about the whole term of like, hey, you know, I want. I had a, a young man tell me a, a month or so ago, well, I want to be an entrepreneur because uh, I want to control my, my calendar yep. and I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, do you know what I've done every Saturday and Sunday of the pandemic? I've mm-hmm. woken up at five and worked until my daughters woke up. Yeah. And the whole make more money thing, that only works if money is coming in the door. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get, you, a, have to work you get more. 100% of that pie, mm-hmm. but if that pie is zero, you don't get any that you don't get any yeah um and so we do we have a misconception around what an entrepreneur is Mm -hmm. both theoretically but also in practicality and um yeah so it's been this is the entrepreneurial part of my life Uh, if you ever want a great book on what it looks like it's called e-myth okay it will really show you the myth that we have about running your own Mm -hmm. business and kind of the different aspects you go through in the different phases. I was a technician. I'm really good at what I do. That has nothing to do with running a business. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Awesome. And my final question for you is, you know, obviously, like you said, you're just now getting to your entrepreneur phase. What are you still trying to prove to yourself at this moment? That I can run a business. Okay. Um, you know, and for a long time, I was trying to prove that I was as smart as my brothers. Yeah. You know, I, I come from a, an educated family, and being the big dumb jock was mm-hmm. like, it, it, I'm a very, uh, a lot of people who know me always say I'm kind of like an onion. You know, I, okay. I have a lot of layers. I'm more sensitive than 99% of people would ever think. Yeah. And, Everybody now that I talk to goes, dude, you're killing it. Social media, you're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Your business is booming. And I still look in the mirror and go, I, how, why are we failing? Like, why is this not working? How yeah. is this, why is it broken? Why aren't we four steps farther down the road than I want mm-hmm. it to be? Um, and so that's the challenge for myself right now is, can I run this company? Can I grow it? About three years ago, I, I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine, and I, I said it, and I didn't even know I said it, but I said, you know, eventually I, I hope I teach a million people about money. Yeah. And he stopped me, and he said, write that down. That's your everything. Mm-hmm. And now I look at it, and I say that that was really cute, and that was cool, but you have to have a well-oiled machine to be, there, to yeah. be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And each day, this is you know another whole set, segue we can go into is, I am a great failure. I've yeah. always been a great failure. Growing up, playing my brothers in the backyard, mm-hmm. I lost a thousand times for every time I won one. Yep. You know, NFL, I got cut a bunch. High school, you know, college. Mm-hmm. You have to accept and endure failure. I yeah. think that's the greatest gift sports gives us. Mm-hmm. And to to look at being able to to run this company, I fail every day, and get yeah. up tomorrow and and hopefully don't repeat the same mistake. Yeah, I mean that right. That's when we think about with anyone, any great success story. You have to have those failures, as that's why it's one of the 
I don't know if it's the most cited advice that anyone can give, mm-hmm. but it is probably one of the most relevant for every single person, no matter what you do, whether you're an entrepreneur like yourself, or for me, just working for a fraternity. I have to yeah. fail every day as well. Or even, you know, if you are um, a student or maybe you're just working, you're working in a server job somewhere, like you're going to fail every single day, but you learn from those. And you learn. Yeah. If you're not failing, you're not learning. Yes. Winning is amazing. You learn very little while winning. Mm-hmm. And you you do. You you challenge yourself to ask, why haven't I failed lately? When you start looking at it and, and accepting and encouraging and willingly leaning in mm-hmm. to lose, you realize, all right, now I'm at least challenging myself. If I haven't failed, I need to look at what I'm doing, who I'm doing it against mm-hmm. or who I'm doing it for. And uh, the fear of failure is something that captivates our world. And in a society right now where, you know, everybody gets a trophy and my daughter just had soccer and everybody got a trophy. (laughs) uh, We look at it and we say we're so sheltered that once that shelter goes away, we get so hurt. Yeah. We can toughen up and kind of be able to go through it. But I, I continually look at the decisions I have in my life becoming an entrepreneur yep. I had a good career mm-hmm. good projection ahead of me the question i ultimately faced was do i fear failure more or do i fear regret more yeah and when i finally answered the question of in five years if i wake up and my vehicle is nothing yeah and i i won't have regretted it yeah it's painful it's crazy but i would wake up in five years and regret never having tried mm-hmm. and once that sunk in and I was able to take a deep breath I could take the jump yeah I think I would love to transition you talked about failure and even with your daughter right now looking at your NFL career and everything I want to talk about this just a little bit and part of what I and correct me if I'm wrong I understand you had some time where you had to grow within that after college and everything you go undrafted and then you kind of jump from practice squad to practice squad until finally you get your break can you just kind of explain to the listeners who might not know your story kind of yeah. what that journey looked like? And when, again, talking about failure and success, like what that taught you? Yeah. So, yeah. First off, started my NFL career going undrafted, which mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes is failing. Yeah. And your intention and what I thought was is I was going to get to go and be somebody in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 12 times, 12 times I was called, told my dream was over and told to go home. Yeah. Uh, and so that really, the first one cut so, so deep. And I'd like to say the ninth one didn't cut as deep, yeah. but it still did. Mm-hmm. And what I walked away from the third or fourth time I got cut was, who's still in that locker room? Mm-hmm. What were those guys doing? They were veterans, they were professionals, they were the best in the world. Yep. I'm a journaler. I started to sit down and reflect Man, all right, there was a 17-year kicker. It was mm-hmm. a 14-year offensive tackle. Yeah. There was a 12-year safety. Mm-hmm. What were those guys doing? And I started to play back through my head, and I started to see this kind of unspoken language, this, mm-hmm. this path, that they were obviously gifted, but everybody at that level is gifted. There were clues that they were leaving. Yep. And that journey, I like to call it the rookie-to-veteran journey, It was a growth in myself that I started to identify how can I steal success from those around me? How can I look at where my shortfalls come 
and really walk away having gained more than was taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my NFL career, it was every step was a building block for me to find success. I was not a good enough player. I certainly didn't have the mental fortitude to find success in the mm-hmm. NFL until I met the right people, mm-hmm. until I was conscious enough to see what they were trying to teach me. Um, and from that, it was a, a, an epiphany. And I finally landed in a situation where I got to put them all in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and no coincidence, the first step of every journey is confidence. Yeah, I looked at what every pro in, in, embodied. They were confident in their talents. They built trust in that mm-hmm. talent. And then they continued to add value with that talent. Mm-hmm. And those three concepts, you know, be confident, build trust, add value. You could take that. If I'm going into a company tomorrow, first day at work, yep. I got to be confident that I'm there for a reason. I got to start looking around at my team and see, all right, who do I have trust with? Mm-hmm. Probably no one yet. Where do I start building that trust? Yep. And then every time my name goes on something, where am I going to add value? And in the football world, it's very easy to see because you have a name on the back of your your jersey or you have a number associated to you. And every play you're in, you're getting measured. Um, And so it was really starting to see that growth and see what concepts, what principles, what practices I could take away from these guys. That's awesome. And I think, and I imagine those three concepts, right? That is a lot of your rookie to veteran mindset that you talk about in your speeches and everything right am i missing anything from that i can hit you with probably what the the greatest one let's do it the the biggest thing i took away from the nfl um i got to go to kansas city and in the nfl you get broken up into these three groups you you got the the skilled players who everybody knows from fantasy yep the big guys (laughs) you don't know who they are but if they walked in a room you know exactly who they Uh are And then the big skills, so these hybrid groups, and they kind of mash everybody together. So I, as a running back, um, which I like to say, I was a fullback, but I was in the running back family. Uh, I was paired next to a linebacker, 15-year veteran, Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. And I noticed it out when we were running sprints, you know, and and this is the off-season. This is April. Mm -hmm. Um, We would be required to run 40 yards, and he'd run 45. We'd run 50, he'd run 55. We'd go into the weight room. And we'd lay down on the bench press. We'd do a yep. set of 225. And then he'd slide on two and a half. So he'd do the same set. Yeah. We'd go get two game tapes. He'd get a third. And finally, I just I, I went up to him. I said, I don't get it. Like You're getting old. It's hard to slow down. And he looked at me and he said, Jed, every guy in this building is younger than me. Yep. Cheaper than me. Faster than me by now. Healthier. Mm-hmm. Every guy is here to take my job. The only reason I've been able to survive for 15 years as an undersized, you know, linebacker is because I come in each and every day and I steal an inch. Yep. I steal an inch in everything that I do because I know that inch is going to lead to a yard, to a first down, to a touchdown, and to a win. And I kind of took a step back and he said, yeah, let me say it again. An inch leads to a yard, a yard to a first down, a first down to a touchdown, a touchdown to wins. And wins are why we're here. I want to go to the Super Bowl. That's my purpose. That's mm-hmm. my goal. Mm-hmm. And it really struck me. And that simple, simple concept that you can translate into for sure money. You yep. can translate it into your relationship with your girlfriend, your wife. You can translate it into your relationship with your family, mm-hmm. your professional career. I looked at it and I said, all right, so from a football perspective, 
my job as a fullback was mm -hmm. a six-inch battle. Yep. Going into collisions, if I can move my opponent back six inches, I would get a plus. That was my mm -hmm. measurement. And I looked at Monday through Saturday, six days a week. If I could go steal an inch a day, mm -hmm. I'd be walking onto the field on Sunday already having won that six-inch battle. And that concept stuck with me. My second year, I got cut from the Chiefs, mm -hmm. moved on, got cut, got cut, and then finally landed with the Saints. And I put into practice stealing an inch a day, and I actually ended up becoming the best fullback in the game. I led the, the world in being a lead-blocking fullback, yeah. winning those six-inch battles. And it all started with an inch. Yeah. Uh, and it was just that concept that that's what I try to interpret into my entrepreneurial life today mm -hmm. is I have some great wins. I have some unbelievable losses. But if I can get an inch each day compounding, that led, leads you into the financial aspect of it of compound interest. Yes. Yeah, stealing that inch. And it is, it is a very small measurement, but it is something that anything you look at in your life you can get an inch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that goes right into where we were talking about failure, right? Is you have to learn from from these these battles that you're going through, whether that is a failure, whether that is just pushing yourself every day. It's not just like recognizing that's there, but what do you do post that? That's the biggest thing. Yes. And so reflecting. Yes, exactly. The reflection, and I think probably journaling helped you oh, do that as well, right? Tremendous. And that was your way to do that, yeah. And try to try to figure out, you know, taking all this information that you've kind of learned, and then doing something with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably the hardest challenge over anything. Anyone can say like, "Oh yeah, I failed this." It's that second piece. Yeah. That's the piece that's the most important. What did you get and up and do with it? Exactly. Exactly. All right, I have to ask. Right, I want like your maybe most memorable NFL story. I know when we talked over the phone, you said you have like a Drew Brees story that you always like tell. Them. Would love to hear that. I'm yeah. sure anyone else would. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to draft Drew Brees in my fantasy league, so rightfully so, rightfully so, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, most memorable story, and let's start with that, and we'll kind of see where that conversation goes. Wow, uh, most memorable story. So being now centered here in Seattle. Um, I was a, a member of the Beastquake game, which not many people will remember, but it was kind of the beginning of the Seahawks run mm. of the early 2010s uh, to begin their program. And they were a 7-9 team. I was on the Saints. We flew here. Even though they are 7-9, they were hosting a home playoff game, which yep. still makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but to truly have a stadium erupt mm -hmm. and, and measure on a Richter scale yep. was incredible. Um, but I would have to go with uh, being a part of the, the 2011 team. We were arguably one of the best offenses of all time. Mm -hmm. um, have since probably the points and the yards probably been surpassed. But being a member of a, a, a unit that can walk out on a field and truly believe they are capable of doing anything that they wanted at that level... That, that amount of, of commitment, but that amount of intimacy with one another to say, if we function like we know we can, mm -hmm. nobody can stop us. Um, and that obviously you know came to an end in San Francisco. If you can't beat the machine, break the machine. Yep. We ran out of running backs and uh, it kind of <laughs> it kind of filtered our, yep. our system. Um, but being on the field at the end of the season and having you know the Superdome going mm -hmm. crazy when they announced you know hey this offense just just broke the records this yeah. is 
as of right now, this is the the greatest people to ever play that, do that for an entire season. Yeah, um, that absolutely was was a surreal moment. You know, getting to be around Drew, who broke tons of records, mm-hmm. Darren Sproles, who's broken a ton of records, um, and then looking at you know the entire arsenal of offensive weapons, offensive line, and, and receiving core and running backs. But uh, I would say, yeah, being a part of something that is historic is something yeah. I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, you are you are a key facet in that, right? Like you weren't just um, you were part of the team that helped help to get those extra yards, help make those plays that and did all that that then led to that run. Oh That's yeah. That's amazing. It was yeah, it was really neat. And it was actually from the, you know, twelve, fourteen years Drew's in New Orleans from the mm-hmm. Champagne Airs, it was the most running and the most fullback being used of all. So that probably I don't felt know pretty if there good was some that association point. there. But yeah, everybody needs a fullback. We need yeah. to bring them back. They're not dying. <laughs> no, we're, they're still no, there. It's uh, <laughs> It's a tough, tough role, yeah. and uh, I'll be interested to see if it's in the future. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then has to be most memorable Drew Brees story. Have to ask like, what is maybe something that not a lot of people would know if you maybe even if you follow Drew Brees, something that maybe just the team might know that you can share. So, I go to what his core is. So Drew Brees was the most habitual guy I was ever around. Mm-hmm. Everything was a habit. Mm-hmm. Everything was. How do I build a system to repeatedly find success? Yeah, um, and you see that in how he, you know, walks away from his locker in the morning. Mm-hmm. You see that in how he steps on the field. If you ever watched him when he steps on or off a football field, whether it's practice or a game, Monday night football it doesn't yep. matter. He looks like he's catching a ball in the corner of the end zone, and yeah. he just takes this little moment and he puts his hands up like he's catching the ball. Mm-hmm. He, you know, whatever goes through his head, but that mechanism of locking in. Yeah. And the one of the coolest things I got to witness in practices was, again, his habits that 20 years of, of high-level football, he was the first quarterback I've ever seen do this, yep. whether it was one-on-one, seven-on-seven, team, any, any play, he would snap the ball, throw the ball to his first, first read, and then his feet and his hands and his eyes, almost like he was holding a rifle, would shift to shift to each receiver, each of his progressions, until he eventually landed on the checkdown, which was usually mm-hmm. the fullback, me, or you know whatever play it was. Yeah. Um, and that repetition, and so that was one of those things where I went up and I asked him, and I said, you know, twenty years of football, I've never seen anybody do that. Why do you do that? Well, in the game, I don't want to be thinking. I don't want to be thinking about where my, my progression is. I don't want to be thinking about where my feet are. I want it to just happen without thinking. Yeah. And he, you know, he and I then got a little philosophical, and he was reading uh, books at the time, and he broke down habits. You know, mm-hmm. the cue, the routine, the reward. He understood the process. He understood mm-hmm. how and why. Um, and it was just so neat to see somebody who was, you know, t- twice the man and ten times the leader. Yeah. As you would hear, um, and to see him live it out each and every day. Didn't matter if it was week one, week 16. Didn't matter if it was his fifth year in the league or his yep. 20th year. 
that's what he did, mm-hmm. and that's why he continually found success. Yeah, perform like performed at a high level throughout until retirement. Really, exactly. I think that's what you see. Habit is such an important thing for anyone who is key to success, whether that's in sports or business. It's finding that habit and doing it consistently and doing it in an excellent fashion. Yes. at that point. Mm-hmm. So tell me, you know, we talk about your. Um, we're going to start jumping into kind of finance and everything else. I'd love to know kind of what impact did your professional NFL career have on yourself and your career choices today? So if we were to look at, you know, my awakening in the NFL was my rookie year when I got my first paycheck, mm-hmm. my first real check. Um, I got it and spent every dime of it that day. And I woke up that night, I woke up the next night in kind of knots and sweats and Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, man, like, I was an accounting major, you know, I'm supposed to have something to show for this whole football thing. I know it's going to take a physical toll. I can't spend my money like that. Mm -hmm. And realizing like, well, how was I so, what was I supposed to do with it? I, I was an accounting degree. No. Nobody had ever told me. My, My father ran a law firm. Nobody ever told him. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, I bought an engagement ring, and we've talked about my wife. She's still around. So good investment, <laughs> poor financial habit. Yes. And so that was the epiphany. That was the moment that I said, I know the game's going to take from me. I want to take as much from it as I can. Mm-hmm. And I set out on a journey. And so playing the game of football shined a light on the idea that I was financially illiterate. And that's a humbling kind of swallow moment where, mm-hmm. you know, again, you're so confident and bravado and all these things. And then that insecurity seeps in of like, well, shoot, what am I supposed to do with my next check? And I went to bookstores and started reading personal mm-hmm. finance. I actually began to study for the CFP, the Certification of Financial Planning, while playing in the NFL yeah. each offseason. Um, but it was from that humbling realization of like, you have the opportunity here. And Mm -hmm. statistics, a a documentary came out called Broke that said over 70% of professional athletes end up with nothing to show for it. And I was the undrafted guy getting cut 12 times. Mm -hmm. If I was going to be a statistic, I was going to be in that 70%. And so I just, I woke up and I challenged myself. I said, how do I become a 30%er? Mm -hmm. That's my goal. That's my vision. How do I become a 30%er? And that was the beginning of my personal education and kind of the beginning of Money Vehicle to some extent, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Um, But yeah, that was uh, the kind of greatest transition because it also uh, showed me the path of what I wanted to go do. Yeah. So, you know, with with that and everything, what is financial literacy? What did you learn from all that research that you did and your second paycheck where you took those you took and took that money and bought those books and everything? What did you learn? Tell us kind of why and then why is it important? So I learned that we need to redefine financial literacy. Um, The the financial literacy of old, you know, our parents' generations was simple. Spend less than you make. Mm -hmm. If you spent less than you make, you had some savings, you were financially literate. Your plan would probably work out because of a pension, social security. We had a lot of programming in place. And... What I've become educated around is that is not financial literacy today. Okay. You are a saver. You are still financially illiterate. My father ran a law firm, mm-hmm. still financially illiterate today. 
and has no intentions of learning from his youngest son. So yes. we, we've been down that path. He's fine. He's <laughs> yeah. retired. But I looked at it and I said, how long was I looking at money? Mm-hmm. And, and today I, I reference this type of ore. What type of ore are you? Are mm-hmm. you a spendor, a savor, or an investor? Mm-hmm. And it really breaks down to how long you see money. If you see money on a day-to-day time horizon, you're a spendor. Nothing wrong with that, but you have to alert yourself that that's who you are. Mm-hmm. If you start to save money up and protect it for a couple months or even a year or two, you're a savor. And that is a vital first step. Yes. And in my next paycheck, I became a saver. Okay, I'm not going to spend it all. i got to save some of it. There's mm-hmm. got to be some future. Mm-hmm. Where we break down in this illiteracy is we never learn how to make money work for us. We've always learned to go to work for money. Yeah. But where do we flip the script? And that's where that investor pops in. Investors see money through 5, 10, 50-year time horizons. Mm-hmm. And they don't look at how are they going to go to work for it. They look at how can we make money work for us. Yeah. And so that was kind of the the onset of my education was, all right, I took that first step of becoming a saver. And if yep. that's where you are, excellent. And I meet NFL players with a million dollars sitting in a checking or a savings account. Yeah. Great. It's in a better place than it could be. Yep. But if you don't start making it go to work for you, if you don't start creating money, we all focus on making money. There is a notion out there of creating this mm-hmm. money. Then your plan is going to struggle and I would say probably not work out for inflation or for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. um, lifestyle creep. But looking at it and really defining financial literacy today as I know how to use money and I know how to make money go to work for me. That's the new notion. And there's a lot of ways to become an investor, but you have to enter into that third element. Yeah. With with your kind of lessons and everything, it sounds like obviously investor is the one that we want to get to. What are some of your maybe top three ways that you want money to work for us or work for you? Great question. So, I mean, money... Are you talking specifically about like how to invest or more like what is the purpose of what money working for me means? I think I think the second one. The more, what okay. it, yeah, let's know um, a little bit more. So I look at it and I say money is, is supposed to bring you freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, is a different term than retirement. So retirement was a measurement that we were all seeking. Freedom is very personal. Freedom mm-hmm. is my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want money to do is be aimed at freedom. And then I want it to bring security. Um, so often people are saying, well, should I put all my money in, in Bitcoin? Or should I put you know all my money in this yeah. latest, hottest trend? And I ask, I say, well, how secure is your income? If your income is not extremely secure, do you, are you able to take on more you know, risk in, in that investment, Mm -hmm. that's a personal choice and personal decision, but money is meant to bring you that security and that peace of mind. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the traditional term of emergency fund money vehicle, we call it the Corona cushion. Okay. Um, right. Right on brand. Yeah. yeah, It brings (laughs) it, it brings a chuckle and it, but everybody knows what the heck we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And why is that is because not just people, businesses, hundreds, thousands of companies, went out in a Mm -hmm. month or two of COVID because they didn't have a cushion. They didn't have anything 
They didn't have the peace of mind in knowing they could miss a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so as I look at what money is supposed to bring is that first element, and you can look at uh, the hierarchy of knees, I believe it was Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of knees, mm -hmm. um, that first one of security, that second one of freedom, and then that third one of fulfillment and impact. Mm -hmm. And if you can go up your scale in there and say, I know my need is taken care of, now I'm starting to move into that freedom where I don't have to make this a concern, and then I get to flip the script and say, well, who and what do I want to impact? That's a very powerful, powerful system. And it's this thing that you ask a room full of your brothers, yep. go to a chapter, next chapter you walk into, yep. tell them to finish this sentence. Money is. You open that up to a room, mm -hmm. you're going to get 20, 50 different answers. And at the end of the day, money is a vehicle that you should use to bring you what you need. Yeah. And that, those three steps are kind of a high-level synopsis of, of some of those. Yeah, I like that last question that the money is, right? Like, yeah. Again, I think about all the lessons that I had kind of growing up or doing that research, and it is just Answer like, the question. Yeah. Money is what to you? Yeah. What is money? Who? I think it's a way, for me, it's a way to pay for things. There right? you go. Pay for my bills. Make yeah. sure that I can have fun when I want to, travel when I want to, yeah. be able to do that. That's what it is for me, at least. But, so, but I do, even in that, in that realization of money is a way for me to pay my bills, but then you went to money as travel. Yeah. Those are different. Yeah. And so, again, hierarchy of needs. Money is a way I get to do this, but then I get to go do that. Yeah. And just that awakening of, okay, so now how do I make money do those things? It's a, it's a really That's, cool thought experiment. No, I think it really, I had never thought about money that way, right? Yeah. It kind of take the, I think I've always started that old school approach. Like I got to save some, you know, yeah. pay off the debt, snowball, yeah. do all that, yeah. right? Like Snowball yeah. gravelling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, and I imagine a lot of this, you know, is part of that lesson, you know, the things that we're going to be talking about, that's all on money vehicle, right? The, all yes. these lessons are on there. So I would, I'd love to know a little bit kind of what, um, or how might someone's life improve by better understanding that personal finance? Some of the stuff of like understanding how money can work for them. I would say, I mean, just from looking at the number one of the one of the main reasons of divorce financial mm -hmm. the biggest concern of corporate America financial wellness so you look at it just from your your livelihood on a day-to-day -day basis I like to sit in my backyard and look out and I say you know somebody handed me a check for ten million dollars how much of my life changes yeah well in that moment not a lot and you really need to come back to this understanding that financial literacy is not intended to make money your focus or make money your obsession. It's intended to remove the stressor. It's intended to give clarity mm. and a plan mm -hmm. to chaos. And that plan is really our mission. We want to help people begin a plan and take that first step because having a plan removes emotion, it removes chaos. But more than that, what financial literacy has the capability of doing is not just changing your life, but changing generations. One of our, my mission, so my father's Creo, meaning he grew up in a black community, black culture. I don't look black at all. Yeah. I get that. But that was my upraising. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons, and my, my mother never spoke about money either. And yep. him and her, they are happily married and they're fine, but... Mm -hmm. They are still just money was never a topic we discussed. And so 
really when I looked at the communities and the people I wanted to reach with this message around financial literacy, it was the communities that never had this kind of education, mm -hmm. never had this storytelling, didn't have generational wealth. And so what financial literacy can do for you is give you peace of mind, give you fulfillment, but more importantly, it can change your family's trajectory for generations. Yeah. If you become the first investor in your family, mm -hmm. your kids' lives have just been significantly altered. And that's what's so neat about going into professional athletes in locker rooms mm -hmm. is looking at them and saying, you want to impact and empower your community? It starts in your wallet, yeah. not in what you give, but in what you can educate and teach them. Yeah. Again, give a man a fish, teach a man a fish. Yep. Very different. And so I look at financial literacy today and I say, yes, if I can change a person, that changes their world. Mm -hmm. How do we change the world? Is we empower them to start teaching others. Yes. And you know, there's there's just a, a, a really neat movement happening in the United States, particularly right now. Mm -hmm. This generation is hungry for answers. And yeah. they're hungry for answers around money, as well as a lot of other things. Um, and this is one that we can actually help solve. You know, it's not easy. Yeah. I am the one reason why money vehicle is not a national trend at the mm -hmm. moment is because I don't sell short, hot, sexy tricks yeah. on how to become wealthy overnight. On TikTok and everything. On TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And I love TikTok. I'm yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. But I don't look at it and say, how do we cheapen it? How do I make yep. it easy? It's not easy. Nothing is easy. Mm -hmm. you, you're going to fail. And you're going to guess wrong. And you're going to... But as long as you're getting an inch a day, we're headed in the right direction. Yes. Love that. When it comes to, when it comes to like financial questions, you know, it seems like you're very open to talking about it, whether that's with oh, your family yeah. and everything else. Um, but where do you think people can kind of turn to to ask those personal financial questions? Like, do they turn to their family? Like, I mean, maybe that's something like a difficult, like more personal question, but. Yeah, no, and that's what's so hard mm -hmm. is They've said financial literacy doesn't work until you need the answer. Mm. I don't care about car insurance until yeah. I'm buying a car. Yeah. Um, and then it's almost too late. And so it's that catch-22. What Money Vehicle is trying to do, why I am no longer an advisor, why we're not going to manage assets or start a bank account or have any kind of product is because we want to be that resource where mm. you can watch a video and come and ask us the follow-up question. Why I love that is that's how I create content. That's how yeah. the course was built. I delivered hundreds, thousands of these workshops and I just went with the 10 most frequently asked questions. Yeah, That's the curriculum. Here are the first 10 questions. Yeah, um, And so I would uh, support the conversation at the dinner table. Mm. Why I love what we're doing today is I get messages from parents and students alike that say, let me tell you about the conversation we had at dinner last night. But I also really warn against seeking financial guidance and advice from just mm -hmm. anyone. There is so much to money that is, is emotional and mental and even an advisor, an expert in the field today 80% of their job is just being an emotional coach. So it's not that these are concepts that nobody understands. Mm -hmm. It's that nobody's spoken this language to them. 
And so instead of trying to find an answer, find a solution, focus more on the habits. Focus more on what you can do. Yeah. Um, and truly looking at what you can control in that. Yeah. And there's there's my kids. Oh, the Over kids in. are here. Yeah. I love it. Let's get them on the podcast. Hey guys. Hello. What's up? Hey, can you be go downstairs and be quiet for like a couple minutes? How many minutes? Uh, what do you think? 15, 20? Uh, yeah, 15, 20. We're going. Oh, Hello. What are you doing here? My mom is um, at swim. Okay, cool. All right, can you guys go downstairs and play a few minutes? You already got your gym outfit, so you can go on the bar. <laughs> but be kind of quiet, Perry Nola. Do you have the gymnastic bar and everything yeah. downstairs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's a big hit with everyone. <laughs> yeah. If you use it, I'm okay with it. Oh, yeah. It's exactly. when it goes unused, and I'm like, why do we just buy why this? Why do we buy this? Yeah, thing? exactly. Yeah. But, uh, so sorry. No, no, you're fine. We'll continue on. Maybe even just leave it in there. I mean, at this point, you know, kind of, again, so you, casual you're conversation. Still yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I want yeah. here. Um, all right, next question of what I have is, you know, I think... Um, you approach a number of topics within Money Vehicle and everything. Mm-hmm. Which lesson do you think is the most important you want to take away? Oh, man. Most important. So we have 10 actions, specifically 10 things. So there's a lot you're going to learn, a lot of other actions mm-hmm. in there. Ah, um, oh, so hard. I, you know, people... So I'm not going to give you, so if, from the student's perspective, yes, the most important, I would think, and the, the feedback that we get is around our investment philosophy mm-hmm. because it is approachable, it's achievable, and it's something that they can go input. It's very quickly, be average, use an index. Mm-hmm. Be average index. We actually made t-shirts about it. Impactful in a life trajectory around a Roth IRA, that's great. I would say the most important lesson is chapter one. Chapter one, the title is, Why Do You Care About Money? The goal of chapter one, your first action, and this is so cliche, is to set a goal. Yeah. You have to begin. Every great journey began with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. The other nine, the other 90 actions mean nothing if you don't know why money is important to you. And so if I had to say one, the most important action to take is, and not become a mega millionaire, but this year, what are you trying to accomplish this year? What is your goal? We said, we call them rich goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your rich goal this year? And there's a big difference between being rich and being wealthy. Yes. But looking at the idea of the only reason I'm going to continue down this journey or this path is because of something I decided. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I can't give you. Yeah, and I think that's, it seems like that's kind of a theme, right, is setting that goal. That's been a theme of your life. The conversation yeah. that we've had, right, it seems like it keeps going back to what is your goal, and then it's every inch, right, that we're trying, right, where you kind yep. of bring it all, and all the way you, back. And, and once you have a destination, you get to look at, all right, now how do we get there? Yeah. And then you get to answer the question, one of our other principles, checkers or chess? Mm-hmm. You know, are, are you going to move across the board aimlessly like checkers? or? Yep. Are you going to start looking at pieces and building out your strategy and your approach and planning moves in advance yeah. and really seeing your chessboard financially? Um, 
Yeah, I think it all begins with understanding you're going after a checkmate and then and then being able to, to develop it from there. Yep. You, you have a lot of great moves, a lot of cool yep. options, but it begins with that concept. Yeah, and bringing back even to that failure, like it's not like every single piece that you're going to move is going to go the way that you no. planned. You're going to lose some pieces. Yes, and then how do you how do you adapt and change and then still end up at that end goal? Of that I like it. Love it. All right. Last two kind of just general questions I have mm. is, what is the most unexplained, unexplainable thing that has ever happened to you? I, you know, you you wrote that one to me, and I I've sat and I've thought about it, and <laughs> I, there are like once that pop up, they go like, I'm not going to talk about that. Nope. Um, I would say the most unexplainable thing was after my freshman year of high school, I quit football, quit mm. football, and transferred from Santa Margarita to Mission Viejo. My brother, who one's a year older than me, one's two years older than me, the brother a year older than me, transferred with me to Mission, and we went primarily for basketball. Yeah. Now, the the rules are are good, and we're, we're out of the statute of limitations. We also went for the, the International Baccalaureate Program and education. <laughs> yep. We went for the basketball program. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened that as I was, you know, my first day, they were giving us kind of a tour of the campus, mm-hmm. the football coach walked by and you know kind of told me like hey come you know come down to my locker we're, we, it was training camp mm-hmm. so it was the mid, middle of august um want to talk to you you know i'm i'm much more built like a football player yes, than a basketball they've... player both my brothers are taller and skinnier so they were more they both played d1 basketball mm-hmm. um but i went into his locker or his his office which was just a you know big locker um and he talked to me for about 20 minutes and the thing i remember is he handed me a pair of tennis shoes and was like come out to practice yeah and from quitting never thinking i was going to play football again to making it to the nfl yeah the most unexplainable thing was having bob johnson come into my life and to totally change and i was not i was an athlete but i was not a football player Mm -hmm. and the only reason i got recruited was cut not the only reason but we went 41 and up so mm-hmm. I ended up losing my last game, my CF finals, but I went forty-one and one. Yeah, and that garnered a lot of respect, a reputation, mm-hmm. recruiting, but it all stumbled on the coach Just, walking by at the right time. Yeah, and becoming a winner in high school as a young man is one mm-hmm. of the most unexplainable character traits of my life. Yeah, but looking at it and saying like, what if Bob didn't reach out? What if yeah. he didn't give me that pair of shoes? Like, what if? I never went down to practice that day, mm-hmm. and it's unexplainable. But it's it's the impact of a coach or a teacher uh, on youth. Why people truly passionately do it is because twenty years later, I still remember that moment and yeah. say, "Man, what, how would my life be different?" It literally, you probably wouldn't be talking. About yeah, exactly. It. We wouldn't be here right yeah. now and talking about about money, vehicle, and personal finance yeah. at that point. Oh. It, it amazing like just kind of fate right whether or not you believe yeah. it or not but sometimes some of those things are just thinking back like makes you think like hmm wonder like what could have been different you absolutely point. and even yeah. like even in the nfl like we would sit in the cold tub or the sauna where mm-hmm. you know the real conversations happen and start talking about fate and the fact that the best talent the best players we ever played with weren't at the nfl yeah why for a number of reasons but the reality was we were the lucky ones. Yeah. We were the, the unexplainable fate moments that broke our way. The ball bounced in our favor. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's a, a beautiful thing. You know, a real man makes his own luck. But 
you look at it and you just say, I, I'm going to work as hard as I can and yep. control what I can control and, you know, find peace in the rest. Appreciate the, you know, you have to work hard, but it's so then, you know, you get those lucky chances. Exactly. You got to utilize those. So. Yeah. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, exactly. Final question. What is the best compliment a stranger has ever given to you? All right. So this is one that you might have to edit out. Okay. Uh, but... I remember, again, I was taking the bus, and I, this is downtown Seattle mm -hmm. a few years ago, and you know, I'm, I'm a financial advisor, so I'm dressed looking good, um, and I came out of the bus stop, and this is probably 6.30 in the morning, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, sunny enough so you can see people, and I, I'm walking out of the bus stop, and I start going down the street, and somebody grabs my arm. Not cool, first off. Yeah. And in downtown Seattle. Especially downtown Seattle. Yeah, there's <laughs> that's not there's some homeless population. Yeah. And it was. It was a, a homeless woman grabbed me by the arm, and I startled, and I turned, and I looked at her, and, and I, I will never forget this. Yeah. And so this is the best compliment I've ever been given. But at 6.30 on a, on a Tuesday morning, she mm -hmm. looked at me and said, I would go straight for you. And then she started to yeah. show me what was what would go down. Oh, uh, right. and it was. I walked into work yeah. a little bit higher that day. Yeah, you know, uh, a little nice little compliment there. Because for somebody to to change the, the trajectory of their life <laughs> yes. for, for for me at a moment, it was uh, it was one of those things that I could not. Yeah. It was a it was a winning Tuesday. Yeah, nothing was going to stood knock a little taller, head was a little yeah, higher, right. like you were and ready to go. It was a random homeless lady who was yeah. obviously not all there yeah but i'll take it it was yeah. a compliment no you have to i was looking it. good yeah exactly <laughs> you know in full suit everything else like yeah. you're gonna you gotta take she a compliment right. you can don't grab me don't ever don't touch me like, yeah especially but, a football player right you're yeah. like you're like i'm a fullback, wait, I'm a fullback. yeah <laughs> but no it was uh it was a great compliment yeah i took it and I, oh, I love that years later i still remember yeah. it yeah exactly i mean it, it, it was such a good compliment you're remembering it still yeah. so at that point Awesome, Jedediah. I really appreciate the time that you've taken to spend with me tonight just to kind of chat about personal finance, your passions, your yeah. your history and everything else. Now, obviously, to plug Money Vehicle and everything, yeah. for Delta Six specifically, where can they where can they access this? this so what's cool? cool is we're going to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. So you go to My Delta Six, and the course is going to be in there by the time this probably airs. Yes. So. Go check it out. It is short, digestible videos, five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. In five minutes a day, you can become financially literate. And what we want to call out is that certification. So you yes. go through the course, you take the 10 questions, and you start to build out your plan. So you'll get this owner's manual that ties into the course, and it says, watch this video, answer this question, take mm -hmm. that action. But upon completing the course, you get an opportunity to take a certification exam. That goes out on LinkedIn, that goes on your resume. That's awesome. It is a proactive way to invest in yourself. Yeah. But as we talked about the power of financial literacy, it is a way that you are now going to start that conversation in your chapter. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you go through these videos and you will learn something that you're gonna look at a brother and say, did you know this? Have you ever thought, have you done that? Yeah. Have you, what? And that's how we begin. I can't go and tell each person. What we can do is we can empower our ambassadors and they start the fire. So yeah. again, five minutes. The longest video is nine minutes. Every, you know, one very video digestible. a day, yeah, very, very digestible. Easy. We entertain. You're gonna meet some characters. You're gonna meet other content creators. 
and awesome. really just have a good time with it. Yeah. No, I really look forward. I mean, I've, I know I've learned something just from this conversation right. here that I didn't think yeah. I was going to learn. So, so I really appreciate it. And I, and again, you asked most important, obviously chapter one, but if we were to go through real quickly, the topics that yeah. we cover, you know, the idea of time value of money, a cash management system called money buckets, banking, credit cards, and beginning your credit score, investing, how do you begin investing, mm -hmm. insurance, what are the first steps of insurance, cybersecurity, taxes, and then that end on Roth IRAs. And awesome. one of our missions is to open a million Roth IRAs. So once you open it, let us know so we can add it yeah. to the list. Great. No, I am excited to have this be available for all Delta Six for free right on my Delta Six in the lamp. Yeah, bro. And be able to continue this conversation with you and hopefully Hopefully we can get more people going from that rookie to veteran mindset and like get, a, get some more Roth IRAs for you and hit, hit your goal. Yes, sir. Empower awesome. yourself. Become financially literate. Perfect. Thank you.